You're listening to the Stories from Foster Care podcast. Spain now go first. Nobody can watch Oliver the captain to give Spain the advantage. Oliver, shot from the top last time. This time she looks to go round the fan. The fans made the save with a stick. But what's fair has saved. And now I have a chance to win it. And that's a great pick by McFerrin there with the, with the stick. Gillian Pinder now has the opportunity to send the Green Army wild. Pinder scored with her first shuttle. Pinder scored with her second! And Ireland are in the Hockey World Cup final. The second lowest ranked side in the competition. Rip up the big once more. And we'll play in the final match tomorrow. Aisha McFerrin is one of the best goalkeepers in hockey in the world. She began playing at the age of seven in her native Larne and she made her senior debut for Ireland on the day after her 18th birthday. She's an Olympian, World Cup goalkeeper of the tournament and winner of four All-American awards from the National Field Hockey Coaches Association in America to where she'd travelled on a scholarship in 2015. Described as a shootout specialist, she made crucial saves during penalty shootouts which saw Ireland reaching the World Cup final in 2018 and a first Olympic Games. Now age 26, she plays for Dutch club SV Kampong and she lives in Holland. She also spent part of her life in foster care and she's here via Zoom to chat to us today. Aisha, welcome. Thanks, Neve. I think you got most of that in there. <laughs> There's a lot. Yeah. yeah, it seems when you set put it like that, it seems like I've uh, done all right. <laughs> and and you're 26. Yes, own 26 with all of that. Yeah, only 26. I feel old though. Feel much older. <laughs> <laughs> it's the quarter century, uh, quarter century crisis, Aisha. I think. Yeah, I think so. You can put it down to that. It's all down here, hill from here. That's what everyone is telling me. <laughs> Not true. So. We're meeting today in the run-up to Fostering Fortnight, which is an IFCA's annual awareness raising campaign around fostering. It's also a celebration of fostering. Uh, and you have personal experience of foster care. Is it okay to start off by asking you about how, what led up to your going into foster care in your life? Yeah, so when I was um, younger, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, I think I was around eight when I first remember, yeah, I think like mom saying she was sick. Um, But at that age, you never know the extent of anything. Um, And that was kind of on off uh, for six or so years. And then when I was 14, she passed away. Um, And unfortunately, I didn't have a good relationship with my dad. For me, that just wasn't an option because it wasn't there. So I ended up living with my uh, aunt and uncle for nine months um, and they get, yeah, a teenager who's just uh, lost her mom a week later, lost her granny. Yeah, being a teenager in itself is a handful and you add all that on top. So that uh, didn't quite work out given that they also have no children of their own. But from that, I then, yeah, the decision was made for me to then go into foster care um, at the age of 15. So yeah, that was kind of, yeah, the the brief part of it. But yeah, the plan was, I think, for me to join my two brothers who were already in care. But given, yeah, three siblings with all that going on, it was quite difficult to get three of us together. So the two boys ended up going together and then I uh, went off on my own. I had to join another family in my uh, local area, which I was really fortunate about. So yeah, 
that's kind of how it happens and how we, how we got into the system. And what helped you to, to cope during that time, Aisha, if it's OK to ask you that, like such such turmoil in your life, loss and and, and then just having to make such a massive change. What, what supported you through that? I, I was very lucky that I had a foster family who kind of enabled or yeah, enabled me and drove me to do what I wanted. They never put any roadblocks on me. Um, with that, I also had a really, really good support network of friends uh, around me, with that being my friends in school, uh, also my hockey friends, but uh, also one of my teachers in school I was very, very close to. Um, she helped me with a lot um, and really encouraged me to kind of get into the hockey. And I think hockey was my biggest outlet because, yeah, I had so much emotions and everything built up. And at that age, you, have, you, you just don't know how to figure everything out. So hockey was the big one for me, but it, it was definitely having that kind of, for me, small network around me of people who I actually trusted and really helped me kind of take that next step with my hockey and kind of push me along. And I say help me see the the clear and narrow, but yeah, there was a few bumps in there along the way, but they, yeah, they really, really helped me kind of navigate through everything and kind of, yeah, make the most of my hockey and what I had going on at that moment in time. Wonderful it's often said that one one encouraging adult in your life can make all the difference now apparently it, it, it may be a bit more but certainly one one person at the at the front if you like really encouraging you and believing in you and and supporting you it sounds was that the teacher in your school yeah 100 percent. she um yeah knew hockey was my life she knew sports were my life yeah I wasn't the most academical person but she was like yeah you just have to get through it and get it done and she invited like she played uh, hockey for a club in Randallstown uh, so at that time they were in the Premier League they were doing quite well and they were looking for a goalkeeper so she asked me to go uh, obviously knowing my whole situation of being in care and yeah it wasn't going to be feasible so she picked me and drove me to all the training sessions all the matches uh, and really made sure that, yeah, I was part of that team and wanted to see me, yeah, succeed in everything. And yeah, you with traveling, what, 45 minutes to and from training every time, like twice a week, three times with games. Yeah, she really got to know, I think, me, who I was, how I functioned, what I thought of things. And she just really pushed me to, yeah, try and keep me on on the right path and, yeah, drive me forward with my hockey and yeah, even to this day, I would, yeah, I would still be quite close with her and always reach out and just see how she's doing with her family, just because she really helped me kind of get to where I, I am today. And I think if I didn't have that from her, I don't know if I would be, yeah, playing at this level. It's an amazing commitment. Yeah, it is. I think uh, the dri- the driving alone in itself is uh, quite mad, but then you get me trying to sit and do my schoolwork in the car and everything. Yeah, I think that was definitely an a, a extra challenge for her. Um, and then obviously I had all my rants and raves of your typical teenager on top of that. So yeah, I would have been completely lost, I think, without her at that time. Even in school as well, she was a huge support for me. She was my PE teacher, she was my hockey coach. And she helped me whenever I was really struggling. Like some days I had no, like I would just walk out of class because I, I couldn't sit there, I couldn't. I didn't want to think about what was going on, so I just go down to the school gym. Yeah, I think sometimes I cheated the system a little bit, but I would go down to the school gym and just sit and watch TV or just do something down there because that was, 
yeah for me that was my safe space that was where yeah I just wanted to be away from people and she would always she'd be one of the ones that would always come in and check on me and kind of force me back to class because yeah she knew I couldn't keep burying my head in the sand and trying to ignore everything I had to try and address it and she yeah she was always just there whenever I needed it whenever I needed even though I didn't want it but she I think she knew that that's what I needed at that moment in time just to go forward and really tackle things head on that's just really inspiring (laughs) (laughs) Ah, that's all right (laughs) yeah it is I mean yeah you'd want every every child to have somebody like that in their in their life you know it's 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 amazing Uh, what's her name Emma Parker well now she's married but at the time yeah Emma Parker I still uh I still call her Parker from the hockey pitch it's that weird one where it's like she's your teacher in school but she's my defender in front of me so I have to shout at her being like so there was a uh, took a while to get over that uh that breakdown uh and get past that line but uh yeah she's an absolute gem like and I'm very fortunate to have her kind of come in and really yeah I think take on that role of getting me a hyper crazy dysfunctional child and pushing me to that next level well, clearly she saw something in you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and she, she must be really pleased now. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, she came to the World Cup, fi- like, came over to the World Cup final and watched it in London. And there was a bunch of my old teammates and stuff came over. She came over. And I think, because uh, I remember after the final, there was, like, hundreds of people there to see us coming out. And I remember seeing her and it was just, it was kind of like, yeah, like, I did this because you helped me along the way. Like I wouldn't have been here if it wasn't for her. And I think, yeah, I've told her, I think several times that that's, um, so I really, yeah, I really, really hope she knows it because yeah, she really did keep me on that straight and narrow because it's very easy, especially in my hometown to go off in certain directions, which weren't maybe the best way. So yeah, she, I was very, very lucky to have her, I think in my life. Aisha, just just going back a little bit is something that happens unfortunately commonly when children enter the foster care system is that they're separated from brothers and sisters and I, I wonder what do you think people need to understand about that experience you know how, how was that for you at the time I think it's um it's very dependent on the family um I literally had this conversation the other day where my family we were quite independently driven already given that my mom was sick from quite young um so I had my sister I had my older sister my older brother uh, like I was I think when my mom first got six seven or eight and then I had my younger brother as well who was quite young so from a very young age we were forced to grow up really quick really early and kind of drive and do things by ourselves and we were, yeah, we're your typical Irish country family where, like, you fight the bit out, the boy, you speak to the boys whenever you need something from them. Like, that was just our family. That was our dynamic, and that worked for us. And so I think, yeah, when we get separated, it it was tough. Like, you are you go through this really, really big event in your life, um, which, yeah, you don't wish on any kids. And the four of us, it was hard because my sister was almost 18 when my mum passed. So she was left to her own devices. They were like, yeah, we're really sorry. You're not going to get placed. Good luck. I then moved into my with my aunt and uncle. So I separated myself from my siblings right away. Um, and then my two brothers, uh, after a few months with my living, living with my dad, they then went into care. So it was really 
for us, it's not that it was a big shock. It was difficult, yeah, of course, but I think we handled it the best we could. I think the most important thing was my younger brother having someone because he was still trying to figure everything out. He didn't, I don't think, fully understand what was happening. So for him to go into care with my older brother, I think that was huge. Um, I think it was probably most tough on my sister because she was left 18, good luck, survive the world. So yeah, I can only imagine how hard that was on her. She had to finish her A-levels. She then had to try and find somewhere to live, put herself through university, things like this, where that's not easy when you have the support of everyone around you. But when you're trying to do it literally by yourself, she, I think she, she handled that phenomenally well. Um, and I only have admiration for what she did. And then I was off with my aunt and uncle for nine months and then off on my own in foster care. But I think for me, I was so used to doing my own thing anyway I was always either traveling with my hockey I was out with my friends or yeah I was oh yeah for me I <laughs> I remember like there's times where I'm up to two in the morning cleaning the kitchen or cleaning the living room because I don't want my mom to come down the next day and it'd be a mess because she can barely get out of bed so like I was quite independently driven and just always taking care of myself and making sure everyone else is okay and making sure that yeah Shay my younger brother had like his lunch ready for school the next day and things like this so yeah of course it was difficult but I think we were in an okay place with it well I I was anyway because I was naturally used to being away from everyone I think I also maybe buried my head in the sand a little bit to try and not address what was happening um just try and keep going on with my life like the day after my mom died I went into school the next day and pretended like nothing changed that nothing was different. So I was very much like, I just want to keep going forward. I don't want to address it, ignore it all. And I think that partly, ha- yeah, part happened in my relationship with my siblings because I went off to my own foster care and I just kept going, yeah, I I didn't see my brothers as, or my sister as much as I would have liked. But I think that was down to my own doing because I knew, yeah, the option was there for me to go and see them wherever. But I just tried to keep going. I didn't want to address it. Like I didn't want to I think say it out loud that this was not my normal but now now it is so I think yeah when I look back I definitely buried myself in my head in the sand and just kind of ignored it until yeah very recently where I've now actually become comfortable speaking about the whole situation so yeah it was difficult Mm -hmm. but I think we were prepared in a way for the separation I I guess what's uh one of the things I'm hearing is is how um self-reliant you became at an early age due to everything that you were going through and then then your horizons they they opened right up didn't they like you got the scholarship to uh the university of louisville in kentucky you went to the states to take that up uh how was it to for 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 the world to just open up completely at, at, at such a young age how was that for you to go there? I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say it just opened up. For me, it was a lot of independent hard work because mm-hmm. I knew of girls going over. I, It was one of those things where I'm sitting here. I don't, yeah, I don't have much family network. Um, I don't know what support I had. I didn't know what I was going to do. But for me, the only thing was hockey. And I was like, okay, let's see what I can do with my hockey. So then I heard about girls going off to America, getting scholarships. And I was like, okay, this could be a good option because, yeah, I can't afford to put myself through university. 
yeah, whenever you're, whenever I first started looking into, I think it was 15, 16, you don't really understand the whole like student loan situation, blah, 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 because no one really explains that to you. Like you're in school, you just get told you're going to be in tons of debt and that's normal. But I really was not comfortable with that because I'm like, yeah, who am I going to fall back on if I get stuck or if something happens or if I need help, who, who do I have? So that's whenever I started looking into America because yeah, this could be a real option to get a full scholarship, get my degree, go travel the world, like being living in another country. Um, so yeah, it was uh, it was weird. I initially started looking into it, and then things happened with the company. Um, because I yeah, again, you don't know why it works. It's like life; you just have to figure it out along the way. Um, so then I yeah was in contact with the University of Louisville and initially said no because I'm like yeah no don't want to go hate America never going to go there that sort of thing and then I was like if I don't look into this I'm going to regret it like I can always go and come back like that's fine if I don't go I know in five six seven however many years I'll regret not taking that opportunity to at least experience it so I went I yeah agreed to go when I packed my suitcases off I went two suitcases appeared at the airport and yeah next thing I'm on a flight to America and yeah that was it it was a real shock to the system because I remember as soon as I got to Louisville Kentucky the airplane opened and I was one of the first off and it was like a wave of heat and humidity and everything just smacked me in the face and I was like right I don't know if I can do this I'm a ginger skin little Irish girl heading off to 40 degrees high humidity extreme sun and I was like yeah I think I'd like the wrong place in terms of weather alone so that in itself was a real real challenge but it's it's like one of those things where yeah I just tackled it head on I was like okay let's see what I can get out of this but you're thrown in literally at the deep end as I got off the flight two days later I'm training with my team literally and so it was straight up like you just have to go you just gotta start the engines get going and figure it out and it wasn't until after my because I went straight into season so it wasn't until after season which would have been November time where I could actually think about okay what is this where am I what am I doing what is the purpose of this whole thing there was a lot of work put in the background and I would my social worker as well I had two social workers who really 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 helped me kind of drive that and make sure everything was in place and organized and it was possible and how could they help and because I stayed in or stayed in education and after I was 18 I was stayed involved with the social care system up north and they really without them it wouldn't have happened again and because they really made it possible for me to not just go there but actually live and experience the culture because yes they helped me financially with everything but they also helped with my travel back and forth, academics, making sure I was okay out there, not just a person who was still in the system because they said in education, like they really, they really stayed involved because um, they understood what this was doing for me and the opportunity that it presented me with coming from this, this girl in Lauren who kind of, yeah, lost everything to then I'm living in America, studying, playing hockey and just being, experiencing life as an, essentially a normal human being. It was 100% a shock to the system. I really, really got my eyes opened into a different culture, different way of just being an athlete, um, which I think initially that's what I was going over for. But then as kind of the years went on, it changed a little bit and looked at becoming more of a whole 
human instead of just always being athlete number one but yeah it was one of the best learning experiences of my life like I remember after my freshman year I wanted to come home because the hockey wasn't what I thought it was and then I actually again sat down with someone who's really really important to me over there and helped me figure out that it's not all about the hockey there's more opportunities here than just going back to Europe and yeah again playing hockey so again without her I probably wouldn't have finished my degree over there wouldn't have traveled all over America wouldn't have met the people that I have who are now in my life and really important and really good friends if I had just packed my bags and left like that's also for me not the type of person I am I want to figure things out and I just tackle things head on so yeah it was um definitely a learning experience but something I would never ever change you're listening to the Stories from Foster Care podcast. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Aisha, in terms of your qualities of focus, determination, a kind of a clear seeing, I'm I'm curious as to whether, and this may or not may or not be true, but when you are in the penalty shootout <laughs> spot which you are known as a shootout specialist, which for me sort of translates into nerves of steel. Is there, when you look into your life, are, are there particular particular aspects of your experience that contribute to you holding your nerve in, in, in that kind of a situation, being so present, being so focused? I think, yeah, there's probably a, a lot of things that kind of come, come in together that maybe I don't realize. But I think my competitiveness is so extra, like so extra. So like I'm one of those people, if we have a shoelace time competition, if I don't win, I will be annoyed. That's how competitive I'm that person who in PE class, I'm like, if I don't win, I half. And so I think that in itself really drives me on because it's kind of in everything I did, I wanted to win because I think I didn't have the opportunities that, at most of my friends or peers were presented with like they when I when I, especially when I look back now like yes I was very fortunate to have a really really good support network around me that that helped me with my sports but I had to fight to make sure I was even able to go to training I had to make sure everything was organized that side of things that I was there on time I had to make yeah essentially make my own way to do it or to get wherever I wanted to go and I think that really helped me instill that kind of okay I've I've done all this when I was younger why am I gonna give it up now and it's something that I really work on to yeah because I'm so competitive that I hate yeah I hate I hate conceding it's actually the worst thing in the world so I think all that whenever I was younger has kind of like helped me get to where I am now with yeah the shootouts especially because I'm I'm so independent. I love the challenge. My whole life has been a challenge of getting even to, yeah, doing the smallest things. So I'm like, okay, I love the challenge of kind of being put number one and like proving that I can do it. And I think that is probably a big part in itself because yeah, no one picks to become a goalkeeper because they're like, that looks really fun because it hurts so much. The amount of times I get hit with a ball, not okay. It really hurts. (laughs) But I think, but that's I think that's part of it because I want to I want to always be seen as that I'm succeeding and that it's my if I don't yeah say if the opposition scores it's down to me and me alone I can't 
blame my teammates, I can't blame my coaches. It's my responsibility. And I think because I've been brought up being very independent with that, it kind of, yeah, maybe goes hand in hand. But no doubt there's probably a million things whenever I was younger that really have affected kind of the athlete and the, yeah, the person who I am whenever I go into those situations. You are an advocate now for children and young people in the foster care system. And I, I was reading an interview that BBC did with you in which you said you would, you'd like to be available or you would like children in the system to, to be, have somewhere to go to ask questions. And I just wondered, what were the questions that you would have liked to have asked and maybe to have answered? Oh, geez, that's one to put me on the spot. <laughs> yeah, I think that it's just having someone to chat to who have went through the same experience. Because there's not many care leavers who discuss what, what they've went through, what they've experienced, and everyone has it different. Everyone does. There's no two same situations of kids in care that is identical. And I think that's, for me, maybe the biggest thing is just having, to, having someone to chat to who went off to university, who tried to combine different things in their life, who was literally what they thought alone in their network. Because yes, of course, social workers have the best intention. You have to going into that, going into that. You can go into being a social carer um, or a foster carer or anyone and not having the want, the will, the need to help kids or help people make that next step. But I think being able to, yeah, speak to someone who's experienced it, I think that would have been huge. Because then you can see there is a bigger picture. It's not just a label of I'm a kid in foster care. That's who I am. No, there's something you can be something way bigger than that. And I think that that for me is something I would have loved to have heard when I was younger. I think I was quite self-driven in that, that I, I wanted to be Aisha McFerrin, the hockey player. That was what I wanted, but I was always Aisha McFerrin, the hockey player. But then in my head, I'm also the kid in foster care. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's trying to, I just, yeah, just to have those conversations to say, you know what, like, it's okay. You are that kid in foster care, but and what? You still can be a huge part of society. You can still can be, do whatever you want to be, go to university, go get that dream job, do whatever. And I think that's something that really could be something of value to kids in the system because it's not very often you hear that of people who've been in the system they are just like okay because I remember having conversations with my social work and be like okay let's try and get you through university why should I try and get through university why won't I get you through university I will get you know what I mean so it's it's more of a you can't do this instead of oh let's give it a try no go and do it because we are we are still valuable people in society and I think that's so important for yeah, kids, especially in the system, to hear because it's not very often you hear things like that. Is there anything you would say to to foster carers? Um, again, it's I think it's different for everyone. I feel I was very fortunate to have quite um, a supporting family around me um, that really drove me to be independent and go and get it. And they helped as much as they could. But they says, no, if you want to achieve it, you have to go and do it. And they really welcomed me into their family as one of their own. They treated me like their other two daughters, which I think now looking back at it, I really value because I've heard, yeah, I've heard stories and there's mixed things everywhere where, yeah, some kids aren't, they're treated as the outcast of the family. And that's really hard. You already, as a kid, feel like an outcast um, and feel like you don't belong. 
And if you can welcome that kid the smallest way possible, it could be whenever they're coming, having like a little welcome packet for you or speaking to them the same as you speak to your kids. I think that is huge, especially when they get older at the time, they maybe might not appreciate it, especially if they've done the, something wrong and you you scold them like you uh, scold your own kids. But yeah, I think when when kids are older, they realize, they will realize, no, I was being treated the exact same as the family, as the other siblings or whoever was in that family. And I think that's something that's really important that foster families can really do or foster carers can really do is try and treat them as, as, I don't want to say normal, but as normal as one would treat their own children. It's pretty simple in a way. Yeah. Re- I think, way yeah. Things. I think so. I think it's not, it's not the big things that you remember. It's all the small little things that really make it seem normal. Like I remember, like I, whenever I moved into, into care to the family I lived with, I walked in with two bin bags and that's all I had. Everything I owned all 14 or 15 years of my life in, within two bin bags. Um, and it was, yeah, I, I was very different uh, to, yeah, I say my foster mom, but I would always say the family I lived with or the lady, of the, like I was never at that time, it was never my foster mom, but she would always come back with uh, like clothes and things she would go out shopping because she would bring her daughters back stuff and then she would always bring me something back too and I'm not saying mm. money value of things is um, it doesn't have to be anything of value it can be the smallest things but I knew that's how she was trying to welcome me as part of the way into her family because she did it for her daughters and she did it for me as well she could easily have not got me anything very easily and when it especially when it like came to uh, Sundays we would always have a big family roast if you're in like if you're in the house or whatever you would come for a family roast and I just yeah loved it because I never had that growing up like my whenever I was younger we all had our own things going on and yeah with mum being sick we like even sometimes we would make fit as siblings but yeah to have that that just felt so cozy and normal like I was I was in this family I'm sitting here having a family dinner with them and that was, yeah, really, really nice. So Aisha, as we kind of come to the end of, of our time, is there anything you would like to to add? Is there anything that that you haven't said that you would like to? I think the biggest thing is trying to get kids in care or let, letting them know that they're a valued part of society, that they are, it's okay being in care and it's not your fault a lot of kids think that they're in care because they did something wrong or whatever. It's it's everything is out of their control. No one want, no kid wants to go in care. And I think there's two ways with that, that the kid in care needs to remember it's, it's nothing to do with them. They are placed in that situation out of their own hands. Um, and, and that's okay because for them, it needs, it may at not, it may at that time not feel good, but it eventually will result be the best thing for them. The second thing is that goes with that is making it seem normal to have kids in care and to have those conversations. I think the more conversations that are had about it, the more it's spoken about, the more, yeah, it's seen that there's so many kids in care, way more than what people think. I think that will help open up um, society's view on kids in foster care. Because we yeah. we are we are valued members of society and we can add so much and I think that the more 
the public communities, everyone talks about it, the more it will help kids in care feel like a valued member of society. And I think that's so important, just really something really simple, but something really valuable to get across to people fostering, people not in fostering, everyone. What What's next for you? Fwah, more hockey, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I'm in a very fortunate position right now to be able to just focus on my hockey. Um, I'm doing another study alongside, but this year we have the, the World Cup. So yeah, second time, for, uh, yeah, second time in World Cup, first time ever any Irish team has gone back to back World Cup. So that's quite huge. Um, and then right after that, we have a, a European qualifying event, qualifying event. Um, so again, another pretty big tournament. We're actually hosting that one in Dublin. So yeah, I would love, 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 love if um, people want to come out. Uh, I would love to just, yeah, even at that, just chat to people um, who have kind of experienced something the same. Um, and then end of the year, we finished on another big tournament. So uh, yeah, busy year of uh, hockey, hockey and uh, a little bit more hockey to sprinkle on top. <laughs> <laughs> well we will really look forward to watching you in those tournaments and also just to mention that um there's a book about you coming out in the great irish sports stars series yeah uh, that's soon too so we'll look out for that as well and aisha thanks so much for being with us and sharing your experiences which are i know just of so much value to people listening thank you so much thanks for having me it was great chatting to you It was great catching up with Aisha McFerrin. Her book in the series Great Irish Sports Stars is out now and you can follow her on Instagram and Twitter. We wish her and the Irish team all the best in the coming year and we look forward to seeing them in action. Music.